0: Section five of Holidays at Roselands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Holidays at Roselands by Martha Finley. Chapter three, part three. The next morning, quite a number of the little folks begged leave to go in after breakfast to see Elsie, and as she seemed much better indeed quite well, except that she could not put her foot to the floor, Mr. Dinsmore gave a ready consent. They found Elsie dressed and lying upon a sofa, with the lame foot on a pillow. She seemed very glad to see them, looked as smiling and cheerful as if nothing ailed her, and to all their condolences replied that she did not mind it very much. She was doing nicely—Papa and everybody else was so kind—and the doctor said he hoped she would be able to run about again in a few weeks. They were all around her, talking and laughing in a very animated way, when Mr. Dinsmore came in, and going up to her couch said, "'Elsie, daughter, I have an errand to the city this morning, but as I have promised to give you all you want of my company to-day, I will commission some one else to do it, if you are not willing to spare me for a couple of hours. Do you think you could do without your papa that long? It shall be just as you say.' "'You know I love dearly to have you by me, papa,' she answered, smiling up into his face but I will be quite satisfied with whatever you do because you always know best. "'Spoken like my own little girl,' he said, patting her cheek. "'Well, then I will leave these little folks to entertain you for a short time, and I think you will not be sorry when I return that you left it to me to do as I think best. Kiss Papa good-bye, darling. Aunt Chloe take good care of her, and don't let her be fatigued with company.' He turned to look at her again as he reached the door, and Elsie gaily kissed her hand to him. Before long Chloe, seeing that her young charge was beginning to look weary, sent away all the little folks except Herbert, who, at Elsie's request, remained with her, and seated in her little rocking-chair, close by her side, did his best to amuse her and make her forget her pain, sometimes reading aloud to her and sometimes stopping to talk. Many an hour Elsie had spent by his couch of suffering, reading, talking, or singing to him, and he rejoiced now in the opportunity afforded him to return some of her past kindness. They had always been fond of each other's society, too, and the time passed so quickly and pleasantly that Mr. Dinsmore's return, only a very little sooner than he had promised, took them quite by surprise. Herbert noticed that he had a bundle in his hand, and thinking it was probably some present for Elsie and that they might like to be alone, slipped quietly away to his mamma's room. "'What is that, papa?' Elsie asked. "'A New Year's gift for my little girl,' he answered with a smile as he laid it down by her side but I know you are tired lying there, so I will take you on my knee and then you shall open it. She looked quite as eager and interested as he could have wished, as he settled her comfortably on his knee and laid the bundle in her lap. Her hands trembled with excitement and haste as she untied the string and with an exclamation of joyful surprise brought to light a large and very beautiful wax doll. "'Oh, Papa! How pretty!' she cried in ecstasy and it is as large as a real, live baby, and has such a sweet, dear little face, and such pretty little hands, just like a real baby's. And the dearest little toes, too,' she added, kissing them. "'I love it already, the little dear, and how prettily it is dressed, too, like a little baby girl.' He enjoyed her pleasure intensely. "'But you have not come to the bottom of your bundle yet,' he said. "'See here and he showed her quite a pile of remnants of beautiful lawns, muslins, silk, etc., which he had bought to be made up into clothing for the doll. "'I did not buy them ready-made,' he said, because I thought you would enjoy making them yourself." "'Oh, how nice, Papa! Yes, indeed, I shall enjoy it, and you are so very good and kind to me,' she said, holding up her face for a kiss. "'Now, with you beside me, and plenty to do making pretty things for this dear new dolly, I think I shall hardly mind at all having to stay in the house and keep still. I'll call her Rose, Papa, mayn't I? for dear Miss Allison, "'Call it what you like, darling. It is all your own,' he replied, laughing at the question. "'I'm its mother, ain't I? And then you must be its grandfather!' she exclaimed, with a merry laugh in which he joined her heartily. "'You ought to have some gray hairs, Papa, like other grandfathers,' she went on, running her fingers through his hair. "'Do you know, Papa, Carrie Howard says she thinks it is so funny for me to have such a young father. She says you don't look a bit older than her brother Edward, who has just come home from college. How old are you, papa?" You are not quite nine, and I am just about eighteen years older. Can you make that out now?" Twenty-seven, she answered after a moment's thought, then shaking her head a little. That's pretty old, I think, after all. But I'm glad you haven't got gray hairs and wrinkles like Carrie's, papa, she added, putting her arms around his neck and laying her head down on his breast. I think it is nice to have such a young, handsome father. I think it is very nice to have a dear little daughter to love me," he said, pressing her to his heart. Elsie was eager to show her new doll to Carrie and Lucy, and presently sent Chloe to invite them to pay her another visit. "'Bring Mary Leslie too, Mammy, if she will come, but be sure not to tell any of them what I have got,' she said. Chloe found them all three in the little back parlour, looking as if they did not know what to do with themselves, and Elsie's invitation was hailed with smiles and exclamations of delight. They all admired the doll extremely, and Carrie, who had a great taste for cutting and fitting, seized upon the pile of silks and muslins, exclaiming eagerly that she should like no better fun than to help Elsie make some dresses. "'Oh, yes!' cried Lucy. Let us all help. For once in my life I'm tired to death of play, and I'd like to sit down quietly and work at these pretty things.' "'I, too,' said Mary, "'if Elsie is willing to trust us not to spoil them.' "'Indeed I'll not spoil them, Miss Mary. I've made more doll's clothes than a few,' remarked Carrie, with a little toss of her head. "'I am not at all afraid to trust you, Carrie, nor the others either,' Elsie hastened to say, and shall be very glad of your assistance. Work-boxes were now quickly produced, and scissors and thimbles set in motion. Mr. Dinsmore withdrew to the other side of the room and took up a book thus relieving the little ladies from the constraint of his presence, while at the same time he could keep an eye upon Elsie and see that she did not over herself with company or work. "'What a nice time we have had,' remarked Mary Leslie, folding up her work as the dinner-bell rang. "'May we come back this afternoon, Elsie? I'd like to finish this apron, and I'm to go home to-morrow.' Mr. Dinsmore answered for his little girl. "'When Elsie has had an hour to rest, Miss Mary, she will be glad to see you all again. "'Yes, do come, girls,' Elsie added, "'if you are not tired of work. I am sorry that you must go to-morrow, Mary. Carrie and Lucy, you are not to leave us so soon, are you?' "'No,' they both replied, "'we stay till Saturday afternoon, and intend to make Dolly two or three dresses before we go, if her mother will let us,' Carrie added, laughingly, as she put away her thimble and ran after the others." All the guests left the next morning, except the Carringtons and Caroline Howard, and the house seemed very quiet even in Elsie's room where the little girls were sewing. While Harry and Herbert took turns in reading aloud, and in this way they passed the remainder of their visit very pleasantly indeed. Elsie felt her confinement more when Sabbath morning came and she could not go to church than she had it all before. Her father offered to stay at home with her, remarking that she must feel very lonely now that all her little mates were gone, but she begged him to go to church, saying that she could employ herself in reading while he was away. And that would keep her from being lonely, and then they could have all the afternoon and evening together. So he kissed her good bye and left her in Chloe's care. She was sitting on his knee that evening. She had been singing hymns, he accompanying her sweet treble with his deep bass notes. And then for a while she had talked to him in her own simple childlike way of what she had been reading in her Bible and the Pilgrim's Progress, asking him a question now and then which, with all his learning and worldly wisdom, he was scarcely as capable of answering as herself. But now she had been for some minutes sitting perfectly silent, her head resting upon his breast, and her eyes cast down, as if in deep thought. He had been studying with some curiosity the expression of the little face, which was much graver than its wont, and at length he startled her from her reverie with the question, "'What is my little girl thinking about?' I was thinking, papa, that if you will let me I should like very much to give Arthur a nice present before he goes away. May I?" "'You may, if you wish,' he said, stroking her hair. "'Oh, thank you, papa,' she answered joyously. I was half afraid you would not let me. Then, if you please, won't you, the next time you go to the city, buy the very handsomest pocket-bible you can find, and then if you will write his name and mine in it, and that it is a token of affection from me, I will be so much obliged to you, dear papa.' I will do so, daughter, but I am afraid Arthur will not feel much gratitude to you for such a present." "'Perhaps he may like it pretty well, papa, if it is very handsomely bound,' she said rather doubtfully. "'At any rate I should like to try. When does he go, papa?' "'Day after to-morrow, I believe. I wish he would come in for a few minutes to see me and say good-bye. Do you think he will, papa?' "'I am afraid not,' replied her father, shaking his head. However I will ask him. But why do you wish to see him?' I want to tell him that I am not at all vexed or angry with him and that I feel very sorry for him, because he is obliged to go away all alone amongst strangers, poor fellow," she sighed. "'You need not waste any sympathy on him, my dear,' said her father, for I think he rather likes the idea of going off to school." "'Does he, Papa? Why, how strange!' exclaimed the little girl, lost in astonishment. As Mr. Dinsmore had predicted, Arthur utterly refused to go near Elsie and at first seemed disposed to decline her gift, but at length, on Laura suggesting that he might require a Bible for some of his school exercises, he accepted it, as Elsie had thought he might, on account of the handsome binding. Elsie was hurt and disappointed that he would not come to see her. She shed a few quiet tears over his refusal, because she thought it showed that he still disliked her, and then wrote him a little note, breathing forgiveness, sisterly affection, and regard for his welfare but the note was not answered, and Arthur went away without showing any signs of sorrow for his unkind treatment of her, nor indeed for any of his bad conduct. Miss Day had returned, and the rest of her pupils now resumed their studies. But Elsie was, of course, quite unable to attend in the schoolroom, as her ankle was not yet in a condition to be used in the least. Her father said nothing to her about lessons, but allowed her to amuse herself as she liked with reading or working for the doll—the doll She, however, was growing weary of play and wanted to go back to her books. "'Papa,' she said to him one morning, "'I am quite well now, excepting my lameness, and you are with me a great deal every day. May I not learn my lessons and recite them to you?' "'Certainly, daughter, if you wish it,' he replied, looking much pleased. "'I shall consider it no trouble, but on the contrary a very great pleasure to teach you, if you learn your lessons well, as I am sure you will. Elsie promised to be diligent, and from that day she went on with her studies as regularly as if she had been in school with the others. She felt her confinement very much at times, and had a great longing for the time when she could again mount her pony, and take long rides and walks in the sweet fresh air. But she was not often lonely, for her papa managed to be with her a great deal, and she never cared for any other companion when he was by. Then Mr. Travilla came in frequently to see her and always brought a beautiful bouquet or some fine fruit from his hot house, or some other little nicety to tempt an invalid's appetite, or what she liked, even better still, a new book. Her aunts Adelaide and Laura too felt very kindly toward her, coming in occasionally to ask how she was and to tell her what was going on in the house, and sometimes Walter brought his book to ask her to help him with his lessons, which she was always ready to do and then he would sit and talk a while, telling her what had occurred in the schoolroom, or in their walks or rides, and expressing his regret on account of the accident that prevented her from joining them as usual. Her doll, too, was a great source of amusement to her, and she valued it very highly, and was so extremely careful of it that she hardly felt willing to trust it out of her own hands, lest it should be broken. Especially was she annoyed when Enna, who was a very careless child, wished to take it, but it was a dangerous thing to refuse Enna's requests, except when Mr. Dinsmore was by, and so Elsie always endeavored to get the doll out of sight when she heard her coming. But one unfortunate afternoon Enna came in quite unexpectedly, just as Elsie finished dressing it in a new suit, which she had completed only a few moments before. "'Oh, Elsie, how pretty it looks!' she cried. Do let me take it on my lap a little while. I won't hurt it a bit." Elsie reluctantly consented, begging her to be very careful. "'Because, Enna, she said, "'you know if you should let it fall it would certainly be broken.' "'You needn't be afraid,' replied Enna pettishly. "'I guess I can take care of a doll as well as you.' She drew up Elsie's little rocking chair as she spoke and, taking the doll from her, sat down with it in her arms. Elsie watched nervously every movement she made in momentary dread of a catastrophe. They were alone in the room, Chloe having gone down to the kitchen on some errand. For a few moments Anna was content to hold the doll quietly in her arms, rocking backwards and forwards, singing to it, but ere long she laid it down on her lap and began fastening and unfastening its clothes, pulling off its shoes and stockings to look at its feet, dropping them on the floor and stooping to pick them up again, at the same time holding the doll in such a careless manner that Elsie expected every instant to see it scattered in fragments on the floor. In vain she remonstrated with Anna and begged her to be more careful, It only vexed her and made her more reckless, and at length Elsie sprang from her couch and caught the doll just in time to save it, but in so doing gave her ankle a terrible wrench. She almost fainted with the pain, and Enna, frightened at her pale face, jumped up and ran out of the room, leaving her alone. She had hardly strength to get back onto her couch, and when her father came in, a moment after, he found her holding her ankle in both hands, while the tears forced from her by the pain were streaming down over her pale cheeks. "'Why, my poor darling, what is it?' he exclaimed, in a tone of mingled surprise and alarm. "'Oh, Papa!' she sobbed. "'Anna was going to let my doll fall, and I jumped to catch it and hurt my ankle.' "'And what did you do it for?' he said angrily. "'I would rather have bought you a dozen such dolls than have had your ankle hurt again. "'It may cripple you for life yet if you are not more careful.' "'Oh, Papa, please don't scold me. Please don't be so angry with me,' she sobbed. "'I didn't have a minute to think, and I won't do it again.' He made no reply, but busied himself in doing what he could to relieve her pain, and Chloe coming in at that moment, he reproved her sharply for leaving the child alone. The old nurse took it very meekly, far more disturbed at seeing how her child was suffering than she could have been by the severest rebuke administered to herself. She silently assisted Mr. Dinsmore in his efforts to relieve her, and at length, as Elsie's tears ceased to flow and the colour began to come back to her cheeks, she asked, in a tone full of loving sympathy, Is you better now, darlin'? Yes, Mammy, thank you. The pain is nearly all gone now," Elsie answered gently, and then the soft eyes were raised pleadingly to her father's face. "'I'm not angry with you, daughter,' he replied, drawing her head down to his breast and kissing her tenderly. It was only my great love for my little girl that made me feel so vexed that she should have been hurt in trying to save a paltry toy. After this Mr. Dinsmore gave orders that Enna should never be permitted to enter Elsie's room in his absence and thus she was saved all further annoyance of that kind, and Chloe was careful never to leave her alone again until she was quite well and able to run about. That, however, was not for several weeks longer, for this second injury had retarded her recovery a good deal, and she began to grow very weary indeed of her long confinement. At length, though, she was able to walk about her room a little, and her father had several times taken her out in the carriage, to get the fresh air, as he said. It was Saturday afternoon. Elsie was sitting on her sofa, quietly working, while her nurse sat on the other side of the room, knitting busily as usual. "'Oh, Mammy!' exclaimed the little girl, with a sigh. "'It is such a long, long time since I have been to church. How I wish Papa would let me go to-morrow. Do you think he would, if I should ask him?' know, darlin'. "'I's fraid not,' replied the old woman, shaking her head doubtfully. "'Massa Horace, very careful of you. And that ankle not well yet.' "'Oh, but, Mammy, I wouldn't need to walk, excepting just across the church, for you know Papa could carry me down to the carriage,' said the little girl eagerly. Mr. Dinsmore came in soon afterwards, and, greeting his little girl affectionately, sat down beside her, and, taking a newspaper from his pocket, began to read. "'Papa, mayn't I sit on your knee?' she asked softly, as he paused in his reading to turn his paper. He smiled, and without speaking lifted her to the desired position, then went on reading. She waited patiently until there was another slight pause, then asked in her most coaxing tone, "'Papa, may I go to church to-morrow?' "'No,' he said decidedly, and she dared not say another word, but she was sadly disappointed, and the tears sprang to her eyes, and presently one rolled down and fell upon her lap. He saw it, and giving her a glance of mingled surprise and displeasure, put her back upon the sofa again and returned to his paper. She burst into sobs and tears at that, and laying her head down upon the cushion cried bitterly. Her father took no notice for a little while, then said very gravely, "'Elsie, if you are crying because I have put you off my knee, that is not the way to get back again. I must have cheerful submission from my little girl, and it was precisely because you were crying that I put you down. "'Please take me again, Papa, and I won't cry any more,' she answered, wiping her eyes. He took her in his arms again, and she nestled close to him, and laid her head down on his breast with a sigh of satisfaction. "'You must learn not to cry when I do not see fit to acquiesce in your wishes, my daughter,' he said, stroking her hair. "'I do not think you quite well enough yet to go to church, and to-morrow bids fair to be a stormy day. But I hope by next Sabbath you may be able to go.' Elsie tried to submit cheerfully to her father's decision, but she looked forward very anxiously all the week to the next Sabbath. When it came, to her great delight, she was permitted to attend church, and the next morning she took her place in the schoolroom again. She was far from enjoying the change from her father's instruction to Miss Days, yet Arthur's absence rendered her situation far more comfortable than it had formerly been, and she still continued several studies with her father and spent many happy hours with him every day, and thus everything moved on quite smoothly with the little girl during the remainder of the winter. End of section 5.